Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Brianna, I believe God is here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Chris. Beat up them drums, I appreciate it. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to receive the Lord's table at the end of service today. We have it up here, and um, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty, pretty excited. It lines up with the uh, season that we're in and what God is talking about. Uh, but we're going to return to our old practice of coming forward and receiving the elements, and uh, we're going to turn to our practice of actually serving bread, not that processed wafer that, that we've had in the <laughs> Thank you. There's, there's a benefit to it. Like, if we have four billion people in this room, we can't do that. And so let's do what we can do while we're this size. Amen? And so we're going to come forward. We're going to see the elements at the end of service. And uh, we're going to partake of the Lord's table together. First Timothy chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. This is what we specialized in the last two months, right? The deceitful spirits, the teachings of demons, by means of hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, who forbid marriage and advocate advocate stain, excuse me and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God let's try it again this is the word of the Lord Amen, amen. Thank you, Mike. Hallelujah. I am starting a two-week message series entitled Flip the Script. I wanted to call it Flip the Script on the Devil, but I didn't want to put him in our graphic. So I will tell you, it's Flip the Script on the Devil. Live in power to win the day. Amen. This is what we want to do. We want to, we want to, we want to live empowered to win the day. Hallelujah. 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 <clears throat> Let me tell you, I, I think there's one mic that's still on. Uh, I'm not sure which one. Mike, if you can check that out. Hey, so here we are as a church. When you're part of a church body, um, there's basically two models of um, church in America today. I'm not mad at either one. I love Jesus. I love the church. I love everybody who is spreading the gospel. But there's community church. That's a church where you're, you're connected to a community. Uh, you're connected to the people. You know the pastor. The pastor knows you. You can meet with the pastor. You're actually are being shepherded. Then there's kind of the factory church model where they kind of pump out services. And you go to not necessarily a church community, but you go to an informational hour where there is good spiritual stuff happening. They teach the Bible. There's worship. There may be events that you can be a part of that you're kind of loosely connected to what the pastor is envisioning, but it's kind of more like the factory model of church. While we're at the size that we're at, 
You are part of a community, a community that is going somewhere. And so let me, amen. And so let me give you, <clears throat> I'm not mad at anybody who goes to any other kind of church. I was at a, a larger church in town here this week celebrating what they're doing. I'm, 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 I have relationships with lots of pastors in the city, bigger church, small church, dysfunctional church. I don't know what you're doing, church, but, you know, still love you, right? Because some people just got to love them because they love Jesus, right? Uh, and where we're at as, as a house, uh, God has been taking us somewhere. He's, we've been on a journey for a while now, and we recently turned a corner. I uh, preached the message uh, back, uh, what was that, September 17th, that it's a new season. Now, this wasn't just something that I thought would preach good. I actually had, a, had an encounter with God. Um, God spoke to me. Uh, over a hundred day period, and then I began seeing the tangible evidence of this visitation. I began seeing it in the lives of the people I love, the people connected to me, began seeing things begin to move in a way that confirmed to me that I had actually heard from the Lord. So I declared it's a new season, not just because it preaches good, because it's actually what God had told me. And in, in that message series, God had spoken us through Isaiah 43 18. And he said, do not call to mind the former things or consider things of the past. Behold, I am going to do something what? New. Now it will spring up. And we felt as a community, the important line out of this scripture was, will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And God was telling us, listen, I'm going to do something new Will you be a part of it or not? Will you be stuck in the old paths or will you join me in the new paths? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but faith is one thing when you hear from God and you run after Him and things are great and you think that you're invincible, that you're in some sort of God bubble and everything you put your hands to is going to be blessed and everything is falling your way and you're constantly getting revelation and then you get knocked down you get disappointed, and getting up and going again can be a little difficult. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody had some church hurt, and then you had to make a decision if I'm going to look past the church hurt and continue to follow Jesus? It's kind of like when you're in a relationship, you're in a relationship, a love relationship, a romantic relationship, and they cheat on you, and then you have to make a decision. Maybe, maybe you weren't married and you broke up and whatever, and you had to make a decision. Am I going to trust Again, or am I going to make every future partner pay for what the last partner did to me? Right? It's easy, puppy love. Puppy love is easy because you don't think anything's going to go wrong. Now, love after hurt, that takes faith. That takes courage. It don't take faith when you've been saved for six months and, you know, you're living at home with your mom and everything's going great. You don't have any bills and everything, you know, it's, the whole world is raining roses on you. But, but when you start to get hurt again and then you say, am I going to follow? Am I going to believe? Am I still going to press in for God after this? Now, that's the real faith. Oh, you laid hands on someone and they got healed. That's great. Have you ever overcome sickness? That's when your faith gets tested. I've seen a lot of people heal the cancer when they put when they gave, put that diagnosis of cancer on me. Now my faith is really being tested. That's real testing. And in the midst of the testing in the church, I was tested in my own body several times, and I understood every single time that it was part of the test that I am going through as a shepherd of a house. 
that God is giving me a choice. Are you going to go with my report or are you going with what the enemy is giving you? In Isaiah, this verse in Isaiah, there's a lot of history. Those who study the Scriptures, those who know what's going on in the Scripture, know that the people of God weren't following right. They weren't doing right. God gave them a land, gave them some conditions. you just got to make me God. Just Here's what I need you to do. There's a million gods out there. I need you to just worship one, me, right? The one true God. The only one who really has power over anything. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly before God. That's all I really need you to do. This is, this is the whole law right here. Just, just, just do what I tell you and you'll always keep this land and Israel would get a little prosperous. Like I've seen happen with so many people, God begins to bless their hand and all of a sudden they start wondering, what do I need this God for anyways? Look at this business I built. Look at the successful life I built. Do I really need God now? Oh, friend, what got you there will keep you there. What got you there will keep you there. And when we think we can move on from God once we come into the promised land, the Bible the Bible, I was listening to Tim Mackey recently who does the Bible Project, and he says, you know, if you read the Bible, there's only a couple stories in the Bible, and they just are retold over and over and over and over. Just 15 different ways. The same story over and over. People are nothing. God blesses them. People think that they're something. They move out of God's blessing. Then they wonder what happened to God. And then God is like, I'm still here. And then they move back into God's blessing. And then they think it's them. And then they, I mean, it's just the same story over and over and over. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, it's the same story. He just happened to show up in the season of saying, you guys think this whole thing is about you, and it's not. And then shortly after Jesus' departure, all of Jerusalem was destroyed. Like we saw over and over and over again in the Scriptures. And I'm old enough now, I'm at a season of life where I'm less interested in people thinking that I'm great, more interested in people recognizing that just like Israel fell, you can fall if you do not keep your eyes on Jesus. I want to see people learn how to live in the land of blessings. I want to see people live in the land of prosperity. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not be aware of it? Will you not perceive it? And before Isaiah, before this season, Isaiah is like, man, you guys have sinned, you live in chaos, false idols, false worship, and so you had to undergo what happens when you turn away from God. When you turn away from God, you live without God's grace, you live without His presence, you live without His blessings. And since you don't have His grace, you don't have His blessings, you don't have His presence, immediately the enemy has a, has a hotline into your brain and begins to tell you that it's God doing these bad things to you. The lesson was learned in these difficult situations in Israel. But he told Israel, listen, these parts that don't look good, this, this hunger, this, 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 this enslavement, this being scattered, this being conquered, it's going to come to an end now. As a matter of fact, the areas of your lives that look barren, the areas of your lives that look like they're most God-forsaken are going to be fruitful. They're actually going to overflow in those areas. Are you ready to see that again? Or have you been transformed to the image of your captivity? Have you been spiritually formed into the land around you? 
Or will you allow to have countercultural spiritual formation happen on the inside of you and look like my people once again? I'm going to do something new around you. Will you be able to see it? Will you not be aware of it? This is the question he's been asking us as a house. I'm doing something new. Will you not be aware of it? Will you be aware of the new season in this new land? This is what I want to be able to say yes. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that as a pastor of the church, I just I keep hearing testimonies of financial breakthrough all through our house. You know, like, oh, pastor, church is all about money. No, it's not all about money, but I found money helps. If you have not, I will take them off your hands <laughs> as a praise offering to the Lord. <laughs> I got something I can do with the money. I have found that money helps, especially those who need money. And I have seen God begin to move in people's finances, in their lives, in marriages. I've seen people move into this promised land. What we see a lot now is people are trying to use formulas or, or special prayers to try to get some sort of control over their life, to try to make sense of this world that seems chaotic and disjointed. Like, just give me some simple answers. And the real simple answers are, follow God. Worship Jesus. Be faithful in your finances. Be faithful in the house of God. Be a good person. I don't know. Maybe be nice to your spouse on purpose. Then your marriage gets a little bit better. Be nice to your kids on purpose. Then your relationship gets a little better. If you got a job, show up on time. While you're at work, work. Then things go a little bit better, right? Like, this is like, just be Christian, right? Like, just be a person of your word. Things go a little better better. And these are all useful no matter if you're saved, if you're lost, if you're here because somebody made you come here today, or you're here because you have, you've seen the presence of God and the anointing of God here and what's doing in people's lives. If you use these formulas and tactics, they will work for you. We want something more than that in this house. We, we want to we partner with God in what He's doing in the earth today. All these things, you can have a Muslim do them, you can have a Buddhist do them, you can have an atheist or a Christian. If you do these things I just said, your life is going to get better. But we want better than better. We want blessed. We're looking for blessed. That's what we're looking for. And in order to be blessed, you got to walk with God. We just finished up eight weeks talking about how the enemy works. Did you get anything out of that message series? If you didn't listen to it, I would encourage you to listen to all eight weeks. The anointing is still on it. The teaching is rich. The slides aren't in it, but it's, 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 it's worth listening to. We talked about how the enemy works, and it's important to not be deceived or to be ignorant of the Satan's plans, how Satan moves, how Satan works. It's important that we not be ignorant of that, but... The devil, the lies of the devil. The lies of the devil have a, uh, have a landing spot in our lives, is what we learned, right? We learned that we have these desires that don't line up with God's desires. And when we have desires that don't line up with God's desires, we have a platform for the devil in our lives to speak lies into our heart. And, 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 and the enemy knows that. And he speaks lies to us about those desires. And when he says things, he's like, well, well... You sinned a little bit, you might as well go all the way in, right? These are the kind of lies that the devil, the devil speaks to us. He's like, well, 
you did a little, you might as well do a lot. You're like, ah, you're already behind. You might as well give up at this point. Ah, there's no hope at this point. That's how you know the devil's lying. As long as you are breathing, there is still hope. Amen? As long as you are still breathing, Jesus has a chance. Amen? And come on, one class, we all clap. The devil is lying. Well, that's how you know. The devil will go down that road until he sees something that is so deceitful, you'll know it's a devil. Oh, I know. I didn't think of that. Oh, you might as well give up. Oh, I got you that time, devil. Now I know it's you behind this depression. He's like, ah, oh, that thing didn't come through. Why are you wanting to wasting time believing God for something better? Oh, because God is going to come through. That's why. See, our society is built on these lies, and our society normalizes these lies to keep us away from God. And here's what I want you to know today. How we react to these demonic lies determines our character. How you react to the lies of the devil determines your character. We talked a lot about combating the lies of the devil. We talked about how spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. When we discipline our lives to do things, to position us to hear God, that is warfare against the devil. I, Chelsea, I've been, I've been spirit-filled for a long time. I've been in a lot of goofy spiritual warfare meetings. I've seen people do a lot of weird things and act like they're, they're defeating the devil. Right? I've seen a lot of goofy, goofy, goofy stuff in charismatic circles. I've been a Pentecostal, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer for a long time, and uh, I have seen Christianity where they think they're doing stuff, and you're just like, please, please stop. Please, you're not helping. This is, this is not, I mean, I've read the Bible, I've, I've read the day of Acts, and nobody was swinging swords around yelling at the devil. Like, that's not what happened. It's nowhere in the Bible. I remember going to a, a spiritual warfare meeting, and the woman, a woman walked in, and she had on a full wedding gown wearing combat boots. And I'm like, what, what are you? She goes, I'm the bride warrior. Did that sound weird? Because it is. It is weird. It is weird. I'm like, I mean, do you think the boots are going to stomp the devil? I'm pretty sure he'll see them coming. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what, I'm the warrior bride. That's what it was. I'm the warrior bride. I'm like, this, um, this is, please stop. Please, this, if you want to defeat the devil, live in truth. Reject the lie. Be good when your flesh tells you to be mean. Like, these are, it's not that complicated. Follow God, even if you think it would do better to sin, follow God. It's, it's, it's not complicated. The book is not difficult, but people want shortcuts because they think that there's some hidden knowledge out there that you can't tap into because, let me, I just want to be honest here today, because we want things to be easier. We want, we think that there's shortcuts to things. But if you grow up for the first 25 years of your life where dysfunction is normalized, it's going to take a little bit of time to live functional. It just, I mean, the anointing of God can come in and give you just a clarity of how sin has been overcoming your life. But it's going to take a little time to learn how to live in the promised land. Amen? We call that counter-cultural spiritual formation. We have to learn to live in the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to live practicing the way of Jesus. Factory Church says, you have all these desires, I'll show you how to have all those desires with a little God sprinkling on top, right? Real community church says, we're going to follow after Jesus. We're going to practice countercultural spiritual formation. 
when someone's making off-color jokes, we don't just giggle and pray for them later. We're like, bruh, what was that? Like, that's, we don't joke like that. That's nasty. Like, that's, that's not cool. Dude, I saw this thing on your social media. What were you doing there? And why were you taking pictures of that? And what, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about friends loving each other into the promised land. Amen? I'm talking about being able to do business with somebody you go to church to without being skeptical of their ethics. Am, am I stepping on toes here or are we okay? Yeah, being Christians. Being Christians. This is what we want to do. And so we talked about how to combat the lies of the devil by spiritual discipline. Spending time with God. Fasting. Reading the Bible out loud. Sharing your testimony. And two of the most, two of the most powerful Tonight we're going to have corporate intercession. Man, you get together with some people who know Jesus, and you begin fighting with your words, stuff happens. You get, you get, you get a spirit of intercession on your life. We're having it tonight at 7 o'clock. Intercession tonight at 7. Last week was good. It's going to be good. But how we react determines our character. And you know what else? It determines our mental health as well. Now, now, now if you think, about, you think about what's sin and what's not sin, we would, we would agree that Stealing is sin, right? We, we would agree that maybe gossiping about people is sin, right? If you tear people down with words, that's sin, right? And even if you're lost, you don't want to hang out with people doing that. Now, I lived grimy before I got saved, right? Like, I, I, I was... The Lord done brought me a mighty long way, as we like to say, right? And, and, and there was a, there, there, there's a saying that there's no honor among thieves. If, if you are hanging out with a bunch of people who are robbers, who are crooks, who are thieves, do not be surprised when they rob you. This is what happens. You cannot hang out with thieves and not be robbed by them, and then they will lie right to your face and say they didn't do it. Anybody do it? Am I the only one who came from Bay? They will do it right to your face. No, we didn't do that. Like, bro, I, I, I was lost. And I had some people stole my car. I just because I was this is I was deep in the you know things were not good. They stole my car and then put my stereo in their car. I'm like, bro, that's my stereo. Nah, man, I done bought that. You bought that when my car got stolen? Is that really what happened? My hand on the Bible. This is a true story. This is what happens when you when you hang out with a bunch of people who, who cheat on their partner. Don't be surprised if they're flirting with your char- your partner because that's what they do. And so you say, that's your character. I now know your character. And we just found that as Christians, if you're really a Christian, you have better character. You don't have to worry about me talking to your girl. You don't got to worry about me robbing from your house. You don't have to worry about me gossiping about you behind your back because I am a follower of the way of Jesus. I am practicing the way of Jesus. But what we learn is how we react to the lies of the devil determines our character and what we're learning in society today, it also uh, determines our mental health. This is, this is what we have learned. In psychology, uh, they have these things they call cognitive distortions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Cognitive distortions are um, where you frame things in an unhealthy way in your mind. Let me give you a couple. Maybe you've heard of these. One is, um, they call it filtering. Filtering is when you can't see any of the good things happening but you see all the bad things happening. Like, you, you, you can't see all the blessings. All you see are what's not going right. That's filtering. That is a cognitive mental distortion. You're seeing things wrong. You just see everything bad, but you can't see anything good, right? Another one is called catastrophizing. Anybody know what that is? Catastrophizing is when something bad happens, 
And it may not even be a big bad thing, but something bad happens. And you think, what is the worst possible outcome of this event? And then you begin living in the worst possible outcome way before it ever happens. That's catastrophizing. And many of us do that. Maybe, you know, your, 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 your employer kind of, you had a bad day with your employer. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. And if I get fired, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I'm going to be homeless again. I might have to live with my mom. I'm going to have to give up my car. And now all of a sudden you have fallen into a pit of homelessness just because your boss talked to you funny on a Monday when, because they had a bad weekend. That is catastrophizing. And we do it a billion different ways. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen or oh me? Come on. <laughs> and a famous one in this generation is blaming. We hold everybody else responsible for our outcomes. Nothing is our fault. We blame it on everyone around us. And so with psychology, they have a technique called cognitive reframing. Now, my wife went to college and has two master's degrees on all this. I'm probably butchering it all. Don't take this to your therapist and say, I talked to Like, this is, just, this is just Carl, right? And what I understand in my own mental health journey and in my study, what I have learned. But cognitive reframing is focusing on the positive things that happen uh, in your life. Instead of focusing on all the terrible things, you have to purposefully work to focus on truth, to focus on the right things, to focus on and remember the good stuff. You know when you fall into these mental health pits, it's really hard to see anything good, right? Can we be honest for a second? It's hard to see anything good happening, right? That's the lie of the devil that's been normalized in our lives, and we have not developed the mental discipline to choose to focus on good things. And so what they do in, in, in psychology and cognitive reframing, and they charge you $150 an hour, what I'm doing for free right now, and they tell you, stop looking at the bad things and look at some good things. You're like, but that won't change anything. Yeah, except your depression. <laughs> it won't change anything. Yeah, your anxiety, it might change that, in which is, you know, worth changing, not for nothing. It's worth changing. You know, by and large, a person... Uh, who is a person who practices the way of Jesus is of good moral character, and a person who chooses their own well-being over the well-being of other people are of poor moral character. And we have very little power over what happens external in our life. We have all the power to control what happens inside our life. We have all the power in the world. We could come to church 10 o'clock on Sunday. The worship team is up here doing their level best to worship Jesus, you have a choice. Am I going to enter in and worship, or am I going to stand outside and be a spectator? And am I going to put the practice of Jesus and practicing the way of Jesus into my life, or am I going to be a spectator looking at everything wrong in the big C church? Am I going to be a follower of Jesus, or am I going to worship my own emotions? We don't have a whole lot of power what happens around us. We have all the power of what happens in us. And so, I want to look here at John chapter 16.33. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You see that Jesus does not promise any victory over anything external. 
in this scripture, he's talking to the believers about how he is going to die, how he will be murdered. He's telling them that bad times are coming to the world. Jesus knew that he was going to be murdered. He knew that Jerusalem was going to be completely destroyed. He knew that the temple would be leveled, that the Jews would be slaughtered by the Romans. He knew that Nero, this Antichrist, was going to persecute Christians everywhere. He visited John on the island of Patmos to tell the church in Asia Minor that even where you are, the worship of Nero will will begin to eclipse the worship of God. Get ready. The persecution is coming. But Jesus says, hey, hey, but I've spoken to you so that you may have peace. He didn't say that I have built a safe place for you on the earth so you can have peace. He didn't say I'm going to take care of your bank account so you can have peace. He didn't say I'm going to promise you that your business is going to work out so you'll have peace. He didn't say I promise you your health is going to be great so you'll have peace. He said, I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. This is, this is, what, this is what Jesus tells us. These things I've spoken to you that in me, where do you have peace? I've spoken to you so that in me you would have peace, he says. We need to find out how we stay in Christ so that the tribulations of the world do not rob us of our peace. You might be going through it today. I know there's people in this room right now having health battles, financial battles, just family battles. I mean, I, 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 I get it. We are a representation of South Florida, and South Florida is filled with chaos. We live in a world that is filled with chaos. There are pulls from every angle in South Florida vying for your life, vying for your time, wanting you to become just like them. We have people in this house that have great, great promises in ministry, great promises in business, great promises as spiritual parents. And this South Florida is wrestling with what your vision of that looks like. It desperately wants you to look just like them. And it would love for you to take the giftings, callings, and anointings on your life to empower their version of success. So that you don't come into it and they don't have to change. But it will not be so among us. Amen? No, we will be a people who will excel in all these areas and with God. Amen? This is what we are going to do as a house. This is what's coming right now. Amen? Now, when we get saved, we're in the gospel. We're, we're, we're brought into the gospel. We live in Christ through salvation. But the real question is, you know, how do we, how do we stay in Christ? How do we stay in Christ in tribulation? The psychologists would say, you know, how, how do you... How do you stay in peace? And they would say, cognitive reframing. Change how you look at things. Now, of course, I hate to have to add this. Some people have brain chemistry issues. And uh, no shame if, if you can't cognitive reframe your way out of it. And many people have to take a medication to kind of regulate what's going on in their brain. But many more people, with the right counseling, the brain chemistry adjustment enables you to begin the cognitive reframing, the, the cognitive behavioral practices so you can start living right, so you can get off of the medications, so you can begin living your life in the peace of God. Just because you're on psychotropic medications doesn't mean you'll have to be forever. 
Amen? It doesn't, you don't have to. Just because you were born in the crazy, don't mean you've got to live there forever. Right? And so, so they would say, cognitive reframing, where I would put forth to you, and I would submit to you possibly, what we need in South Florida is some spiritual reframing. We need some spiritual reframing of how we look at the world. And, and my goal today, and I hopefully will end close to on time, I um, this is this is a crazy season for me um, because God is visiting. Here, here, if, let me just I'm just going to be a little bit transparent. I am having visitations of the Lord and the devil, and I don't like the enemy at all. I do not like those visitations even a little bit. I know there's super spiritual pastors that are out there like I saw the devil himself in my bedroom, and I say, no, you a lie. You did not see the devil himself in your bedroom and not be terrorized. That is not, that was, it sounds great, preaches good, is not true. Did not happen, right? I, I, I have been wrestling with the enemy. I, uh, Mike Rentler are, uh, and Sue are wonderful elders in our house. Uh, Mike, every Sunday morning, shows up here about an hour and a half before service. He comes and visits me in my office, and we talk a little bit, and he said, you've been getting harassed by the devil, huh? like, did I tell you that or did God tell you that? He's like, God told me. I was like, oh, I thought I'd just been complaining. No, actually, it's a word of knowledge by a good elder who prays for the pastor. Thankful to Jesus. I'm not fighting this thing on my own. Amen? And then if you know Mike, he just quoted about 15 or 20 Bible verses and he said, and we thank you for that, Jesus. And I say amen. And um, if you know Mike, you know why that's funny. Um, but while I'm, 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 I said to my wife, I said to my wife just yesterday, I was like, maybe this is warfare. You, 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 ever, you ever, like, you finally get it? It was Saturday, maybe? Friday? You know, you go through warfare for like a month, and then you're like, hmm, maybe this is, maybe this is the devil. Maybe, hmm, hmm, maybe. Does that happen to yourself? Yeah, but then they're like, hmm, maybe the devil really is against what I'm trying to accomplish here. What do you know? Well, you know, maybe it's the devil. I said, well, maybe this is warfare, honey, because, you know, we did eight weeks on spiritual warfare, and now I'm about to tell people how to move into the promise of God. Maybe the enemy is, like, not wanting me to believe it. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but you know what? I'm preaching this message regardless. Amen? He can't do anything to stop it. We're gonna, and some people, if you will hold on to this today, God is going to move you. This is going to, it's going to be so simple, you're going to think it's stupid. But I'm telling you, for he who has faith, this is going to change your life. Amen? How do we do spiritual reframing in our life? Thankfulness. Oh, this is, this is, this is, this is, I'm, for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to try to beat this into your brain. I'm going to beat this into your spirit, man. I'm going to baptize you into this secret of living in the peace of God. Thankfulness is the spiritual reframing that will change your life. I'm telling you, watch this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I have lots of people who come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't know what the will of God is for my life. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, and I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm not really clear. Am I supposed to get married or stay single? Am I supposed to be a missionary or stay here? Do I start this ministry or do I not start this ministry? And I got to tell you, 95% of the time, I, I, I'm like I don't think it really matters. I think it's really up to you. What is the will of God for your life? 
Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Because the Bible tells me this is the will of God for your life. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. How do you pray without ceasing? You're constantly communicating with God. How? Through Thanksgiving. Through Thanksgiving. Oh, you're like, Pastor, is there more to it than that? Oh, there is. There's just more to the same thing, though. It's, 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 it's the same thing. What's the will of God for my life? Oh, to, to be thankful. Why should I be thankful? Watch this. Thankfulness positions you for breakthrough. This was so important that in Nehemiah chapter 11, the Bible tells us he, he, he hired an entire group of people. And all he paid them to do was just give thanks to God. He's like, ah, the king's like, I'm just going to hire this group of people. And uh, your whole job is going to be just giving thanks to God. Because for us in Israel, we have to stay in thanksgiving. And so I need a constant offering of thanksgiving to go up to God. Why? Why? Why would we constantly be in thanksgiving? Because it positions us for more grace. It positions us for more grace. You see, complaining undermines our faith. Complaining magnifies the problems in your life. It, 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 it magnifies the work of the enemy. It is you bringing your words, your authority, your grace, your calling, and it lines it up with the enemy. It's you animating and energizing the attack of the devil through your anointing. This is what you're doing when we live in the land of complaining. It, it makes us more aware of the work of the enemy than the work of God. It makes us more aware of our problems than the God who has solutions for our problems. A couple months ago, I, um, I was in the hospital, and uh, um, I, I had this bad pain. You remember, I, I, I talked about this a little bit. Uh, I had pain, I thought maybe it was my appendix. Like, it hurt one day, and then the next day it hurt, like, more. And then two days later, I could barely walk. I went to the hospital. It was, I, I, never, I never experienced pain like that in my life. I go to the hospital, and uh, they gave me that beautiful morphine. Uh, I just, it, it just, it rained down from heaven into my body. <laughs> I, I tell you what, and, uh, and then I was able to be uh, uh, clear, clear enough. Anybody's been in, you know, utter pain, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then, the, and then they, they did what they do, and they saw that I had, you know, what's called diverticulitis, if you know what that is. And, and so there was actually, um, in, in my intestines, there was an ulcer that had burst open my uh, intestines into my body, which is which is bad. The stuff in your intestines should stay in the intestines. The body stays in the body. So it actually burst open. It was terrible. A week later, I was hospitalized for uh, a number of days. And uh, the doctor, when I was hospitalized, um, the first thing the doctor did was he came in. And he started talking to me about what's wrong. And he says, you know, uh, when things get bad like this, uh, often we'll have to, you know, go in. We'll cut your intestine and we'll pour it out the side of your body into a bag. And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> whoa, wait, 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 bruh, what are, we, what, are we, whoa, what are we talking about here? Like, just, I don't, whoa. And, uh, and I called my wife, uh, and, and I was like, hey, honey, um, 
You know, if I wasn't saved, this would be a problem, right? If I weren't a Christian, this report would be troubling. And every time the doctor would come in and be like, yeah, you know, if, if you know, we'll just do that. like, no, that, that, that's not going to be happening, doctor. That's not going to be happening. Like, every time he would tell me, you know, this is, I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's not going to happen. Actually, I'm going to be in church on Sunday and I'm going to be preaching the gospel. Like, that's, that's not going to happen. Amen. No, no, no. And so the doctor who wanted to do surgery kept coming in. I kept saying, like, no. And then finally, out of nowhere, this other doctor started coming in. He's like, hey, things are getting better. I was like, amen, amen. And then the surgeon will come back in and talk about, well, you know, three or four more days, they'll make a decision. I was like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm going home. I'm going home to the house of faith, not the house of whatever curse you're trying to speak over me. I like doctors. I go to doctors. Go to doctors. I would go with doctors. But if I got one doctor telling me you're going to get better, and got another one telling me you're going to tort my intestines out the side of my body, I'm going with the better. Amen? I'm, I'm joining my faith to the better. And, and I remember the, um, the, the last day I was in the hospital, uh, the surgeon came in, or the, like the generalist doctor came in and said, like, well, I think we could probably let you go today. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm down. I'm starting to get dressed, right? The surgeon comes in, he's like, I'm like, how you doing, doctor? And he's like, well, you know, things will... We'll know in the next couple of days. I said, have a good week. He said, I said, he said, I'll see you later. I was like, mm-hmm, yeah-huh. Maybe by the Spirit, I don't know. If you pray, you'll see me at the throne of God because you ain't going to see me in this hospital. And, um, <laughs> and I done got up, and I told my wife, come. I need you to come. Wait out front. Keep the car running because <laughs> we going home, baby. We going home. And, uh, and, and so they let me out, and, and, and I went home, and... Um, and, uh, well, excuse me. And so it took a little time for, for me to recover, and I was having a little bit of problems. And uh, they did a CAT scan. The CAT scan didn't find anything. And then they want to put a, a camera in my body. Don't, don't picture that, but they put a camera into my body to take a little look around. And, and, and what they had done before when they looked around is, and, 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 and this is TMI for some people, so just, you know. Uh, so, so in your intestines, sometimes as you get older, it just gets a little tired, right? And it starts developing these little pockets, right? It just kind of these pockets. And in, in your intestines have these pockets. It's called diverticulosis, right? And what happens is these pockets get blocked, then they get infected, and then they burst. And that's a problem. And when you have the little pockets developing uh, as you get older, this is something you're going to have to manage for the rest of your life. So they got me on these dietary things, and Bishop is calling me, telling me i got a Vitamix and all this stuff. I'm like, bro, I ain't drinking none of that stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't eat vegetables. How, bro, going to be- not eat vegetables and live some sort of eating like a horse. That it, that's not going to work for me. I, I'm not a rabbit. I'm a man. I need some meat, potatoes. That's all I really need right there, right? And he's telling me about some superfoods. I'm like, super what? I just wanted to, you know, I, I, just, I don't know what we're talking about here. I'm like, Lord Jesus, this is the curse come down from hell. To, 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 like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I go back to the doctor to see that everything is, you know, make sure it's healed up and the diverticulosis is not, is not inflamed or anything. They put the camera in there. Sent the report back to me. I'm like, I don't know what they saw before, but there's no diverticulitis, diverticulosis in your, in your intestines at all. Your intestines are perfectly clear. There's nothing wrong at all with them. This condition that doesn't go away, uh, you don't have it at all. There's no evidence that you ever did have it. It's just not there at all. Hallelujah. Now, now listen, I'm not saying this to say, look what I did. I'm here to tell you, like, this is the mark of a new season. This happened recently in the midst of, since the Lord says it is a new season for us. I go in there, I got new intestines in the new season. Now, I would like a new bank account, but I'll take the new intestines, amen? I, you know, I, I'll take what I can get, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the new, 
intestines. Like, like, like I, 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 I'm thankful. And so what has happened now? What has happened now that God has done this? It has created more thankfulness in my life. Thankfulness now is being multiplied in my life because the grace that I received, the faith that God gave me in the midst of that struggle, I chose to line up with God's Word and I chose to believe the good report. Am I saying that I did this? No. But I wonder what would happen if I just sunk into a sea of depression at that first diagnosis. Doctors know that if, you're, if, you're, if you mentally give up, patients begin to degrade physically. That's, that's, that's a given, right? I'm, and I'm not saying, you know, I claimed it and got my heal. I'm not, I don't take any credit for this at all. All I know is I got diagnosed with something. I just believed God for something. And then it was gone. That, that, that is my testimony. I don't take credit for that, but I do take credit for the God of the Bible who promises us healing, right? Like healing is available for those who believe. And I've experienced that in my body in a significant way, and, and, and I, I, I can't imagine what the opposite is. Look, look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For all things are for your sakes, so that grace, having spread to more and more people, will cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Oh, we got some principles happening here. Grace comes so we can give thanks to God. When we're focused on the problem, we can't even rejoice in the breakthrough. We're like, oh, but something else bad's going to happen anyways. But it says here that all things are for your sake. Now, what would happen if the current struggle that you're in right now, you actually believe that God is going to use it for your good? I want you to think of maybe some of the worst things that you've been through in your life. And don't, don't embody them right now, but think about the struggles you've been through and who you are now because of it. I remember I went through a great calamity one time, and I was a young believer, and I'd only been saved a couple of years, and just some really awful things happened to me. And this seasoned man of God I met with, and he said, you know, Carl, one day you're going to look back on this season, and you're going to thank God for this season. And I always thought he was the craziest, dumbest man I ever met in my life. I didn't have any idea why I was talking to him about this. Clearly, he didn't know what he... Okay, how would I ever thank God for this thing happening to me? And now I look back on that season, I'm like, man, I grew so much in that season. I learned so much in that season. That was part of who I am. You don't, you know, we don't, we don't get stronger by not going to the gym, right? I mean, like, like, if you think about this in the natural sense. Like, imagine going to the gym and thinking, why are you lifting those heavy weights? The light ones are right here. Like, why, why, like, why would you make this, make it hard? Like, this is the two and a half are right here. Why are you lifting the fifties? Come on, look, I'm doing the same thing you are. Look how easy this is because you want to grow. The more difficult things make you grow more. Nobody grows lifting two-pound weights. We grow in strength lifting heavy weights. And so things come our way, and we partner with God to get breakthrough over them. You can't be an overcomer if you never have anything to overcome. And so sometimes God brings things our way to let us overcome them so we can learn how to be overcomers. So that when younger people are faced with the attacks of the devil, we can tell them, oh, no, no, bro, I got this... You got this. The grace of God is going to carry you through this thing. You're just going to apply yourself and this thing's going to work out. I want you just to trust God in the midst of this circumstance. And then I hear myself telling people, one day, you're going to thank God that this happened. And people think I'm that stupid old guy who has no idea what he's talking about. But I have walked with God long enough to know that if you will praise God in the midst of your struggle, victory is right around the corner. It may not look like what you want it to look like, but we talked last week 
that so many Christians today cannot, cannot imagine, they have no idea of flourishing that doesn't look like me getting what I want. But we have to have a definition of flourishing, Christian flourishing, that I may not get what I want, but I get what I was designed for. And I may not see it yet. And sometimes these obstacles in my life are positioning me to look in a direction I would not have looked otherwise, where I can see the glory of God in my real calling. I believe there's people in the room right now that some of your struggles are not the devil at all. It's because you're just in the wrong calling right now. You've not been positioned to receive the real grace of God in your life. And so you're trying to fit your little square peg in a round hole and you've got discomfort, you've got, you got conflict, you think it's attack of the devil because you're so uncomfortable, but it's just God letting you know because you're healthy enough now to recognize you don't fit where you are. You're going to have to shift directions a little bit to get where God has you. And it seems scary because it's new, but really it's the very thing that is going to bring you joy. This is what we read in today's text. Paul, Paul in 1 Timothy that we read earlier, he's running through a list of heresies. He calls them the lies of demons. He says that they lie so much that their conscience is seared. Their lies keep them from the blessing God has for them. 1 Timothy 4 for everything created by God is what? Good. And nothing is ever rejected if it is received with gratitude. Now, I'm not talking about your sin. This is very specifically talking about meats that people would not eat, whether they were sacrificed because of the butchering system or because other Jews believe you don't eat certain foods. And there's all these things like, oh, if I do that, I'm going to be cursed and I can't. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. The table, the table, the communion table is more important than anything. Your ability to eat with these other people is more important than anything. And if you receive any of those foods that they say have been touched by their gods, if you receive it with thanking your God for it, now all of a sudden it's from God. And the fact that it's from God changes it. Do you see the power of your thanksgiving? They, they sacrificed this animal to a demon god. It has become like the worst than you can imagine your, your, your biggest fear of Halloween, your biggest fear of the occult, your biggest fear of false religions. It's, it's, there's demons on this thing. It's all cursed because it's been offered to false gods. And, and Paul is just like, all you got to do is just decide in your mind, this isn't from the devil, this is from God. And you just decide in your mind, this, this isn't from the devil, this is from God. And I'm going to say, you know what, y'all? Y'all sacrifice it to whatever you want. Jesus, I thank you for this. All of a sudden, the enemy has no power over it. And now it's received as a blessing to your life. A nice pork roast to your body. To the praise of Jesus. A nice bacon-wrapped anything received to your body. I know, I know maybe your religion says you can't have it, but it's my, I'll, I'll thank God for it. And all of a sudden, that... Bacon double cheeseburger just came from Jesus and will nourish my body to the glory of God with the grease dripping down my fingers and running down my forearms and just loving it deep into the essence of who I am is a blessing. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a blessing. 
But there's something even more important. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, might have to go to somewhere and get a burger after, after this, 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 this service right here. But listen, whatever you receive with thanksgiving is sanctified. I want you to hear this. Whatever you receive with thanksgiving is sanctified. This is what he says. This is what he says in his scripture. Let's take a look again. Let's take a look. He says, Nothing is rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the Word of God in prayer. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm beleaguering this point, belaboring. Beleaguredly belaboring this point. I want to get it in your heart that you have power. When you receive something with thanksgiving, it becomes sanctified. It becomes holy no matter where it comes from. This is you determining that this thing, sanctified is like the word means set apart. And not just set apart like, I don't need that, so I keep it in the junk drawer. You know that drawer that we all have in our kitchen that just has like the, the manuals and the little packets of, of ketchup and maybe some, maybe some chopsticks and maybe some extension cords. You know, that you have that drawer. That's not sanctified. What I mean by sanctified is like God is set apart. He's holy. These things that we only use for God, these holy things. He's like, if you receive it with thanksgiving, it becomes holy. Oh, this is important. The curse comes at you. The attack comes at you. The attack of the devil comes at you. It wants to cause chaos, confusion, and destruction in your life. It causes you hardship. What do you do? Do you fall into agreement with the devil and complain? Or do you begin to thank Jesus for what you're about to get through? If you begin to start thanking Jesus for this struggle, all of a sudden the grace of God comes into this thing. What the devil meant to destroy me, God is about to use for good. It is going to strengthen me and turn me into the person I could not be without this, this struggle. You, you, this makes sense. Whatever you receive with thanksgiving is sanctified. It means holy. And he says, in all things, give thanks. These things that were meant for my destruction are going to turn into my testimony. That's that old church thing, that the test that you're going through, God will turn into a testimony. And if you will stay thankful for God in the midst of these struggles, we don't know, we don't know what's coming our way, but we need to default to praise in the midst of it. That's not act crazy and just start screaming, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. That, that, that's, that's, not, that's not being weird. That's not being crazy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is not that. This is actually a heart posture. No, no, God is actually in control of my life. And if this thing has come into my life, that means that God is going to see me through this thing and this is going to be for my good. I am going to make it through this struggle and I'm going to come out better on the other side. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now imagine if every time the devil sent something your way, it turned into thanksgiving to God. He might give up a little bit. He might slow down on sending you things that will cause praise to God. But as long as you partner with the devil in complaining, he will keep sending it your way. He's like, I know a believer who will animate this. I'll just send it to them, and they will go ahead and turn it up to ten. When we focus on the trial, we can only see what the devil is up to. When we stay thankful, we stay aware of God's miracle working power. If we stay thankful, we pray from a place of victory. 
When we're not thankful, we, we pray from a place of defeat. Oh, God, the devil is so big, and I know it's hard for you to help me. Oh, God, but if you could just help me. No, no, no. God, I know you're going to come through on this thing. I'm looking. My eyes are open. My eyes are open. I'm aware. I'm thankful that you're with me. I'm looking for what you're doing in this thing. I'm looking for how you're moving in this season. I have my spiritual man awake. I'm not, I'm not so depressed that I can't read the Bible now. I'm not so depressed that I won't go to intercession. I'm not so defeated that I'm just going to complain and live in my problems. No, 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 no. I am looking for God. I am looking for what God is doing in this season. Man, I tell you, when, when I can't hear God, I've practiced for years and years and years. When I, when I couldn't hear God, I remember even when I was a young believer, I would be like, God, I don't hear your voice. I don't know what to do. And I start physically looking for him. I look under the bed. You under here, God, where are you at? Where are you at? I start talking to him everywhere. God, are you behind this pole? God, are you, are, are you going to be over in that room today? Is this person that I'm about to talk to going to bring me the word of the Lord? Like, I am looking for God to speak in my circumstance. This, this, this keeps us focusing on God more than ever. And we need a church in South Florida, a big C church, a corporate group of people who are more aware of God than what this society wants them to do, than what this society wants them to sin, how this society wants to corrupt them. We need a society that is focused on God. Look at this in Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. Write it down and take a look at it. We see these elders of the seven churches. You know, there was these letters written in seven churches. And, 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 John wrote in a letter from Jesus. Jesus said, write this letter to these seven churches. Hey, if you, if, you, if you don't overcome, bad things are coming. But if you overcome, I will give you this reward. Here, let me, let me click it in the future if you will, please. Uh, it, 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 I will give you this reward. If, if, you, if you listen to my voice and you do what I tell you to do, I'll bring you this reward. And then we hear John says, hey, come on up here in the Spirit. And then he catches himself in the Spirit. And what happens? I want you to think of this, and I want you to go home and read Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 2 and 3, there's these conditional statements to John. John gives to the churches, if you do this, I will do that. And then we see elders in heaven who have those rewards. The crown, the thrones, dressed in white. Here they are. What's God communicating here? Man, when God calls you into something, when He challenges you, He's got the reward ready for you. He's telling him, he's telling him through John, listen, the enemy is coming and he's doing this thing and he's going to try to destroy you. He's going to try to overcome you. He's going to get you to compromise your testimony. But if you will endure, I will give you these things. And then immediately he looks into heaven and there are those rewards waiting for all of them in the spirit realm. They're already in victory in the spirit realm. The elders are already dressed in white on the throne with crowns, bowed before the king, throwing their crowns to him, yelling, holy, holy, holy. And listen what they're doing. When the living creatures give glory, honor, and what? Thanks. They give thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever. This thanksgiving continues in heaven even now. There is a spirit of thanksgiving happening in heaven. Now, if these elders did it on their own, why would they be giving thanks to God? 
No, no, no. God set them up to overcome these things and come into the blessing He has for them for the victory. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He is saying, listen, I know. I, I, I know, Cestia, you got this struggle coming. By the way, I want to let you know there's this thing coming. This is not a prophecy. He's just saying, hey, I'm just using you as an example. I don't want you to get nervous. I prophesied this is not that. And he's saying, Cestia, this thing is coming up at work. I need you to be ready for it. Uh, you know, Brianna, uh, these people are going to try to turn on you over here. Oh, you know, Duke, hey, they're going to try to mess with your money. But if you will keep your heart right, I will bring you into the blessing. And there's a version of you in heaven who's standing in the blessing. The real you, the you that God sees, the you that overcomes, the you that lives with Jesus is standing in the blessing of God in heaven, in the presence of Jesus, just there in the victory. And God is waiting for us to line up with his prophesied word over us in victory, in overcoming, in prosperity. Are you getting this at all? God is not just saying, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I sure hope you can make it. Oh, if only you can hold on. You just hold on and maybe, no, no, God is like, I have set you up for a blessing. I've set you up for victory. I've set you up for overcoming. I've set you up so that you can give more thanksgiving to me. I've set you up to be above and not believe. I've set you up so that you can come into the thing I've put in your heart. Just give thanks. Stand and believe. Continue to practice your faith and you will see yourself standing in victory and thanking God. You say, Amen. Come on, somebody, just receive it for a second. This is a cycle that's never supposed to be broken. Mikey, come on up if you will, please. Okay. And so we see this Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving that changes how we receive things coming to us. It sets them apart, makes them holy. The Greek word for thanks that's used in these passages is a familiar word to us. It's Eucharisto. It's where we get the word Eucharist for what we call communion. Now I want you to catch this by the Spirit if you would. I want you to catch this by the Spirit. Jesus Son of God. People say, you know, why did Jesus have to die? Did Jesus have to die? I don't, I don't want to offend anybody here, so just trust your pastor here for a second. I probably shouldn't make this point, but I'm going to make it anyways. I hear people say, well, God just, he can't just forgive sin. He has to have a sacrifice. I'm like, why can't he? Oh, God is just, oh no, he can do whatever he wants. He's well able to forgive sin. As a matter of fact, before Jesus died, he told us we have to forgive 70 times 7. God is not calling us to do something we couldn't do. I'm, 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 I'm tipping over some religious cows right now. God is well able to do whatever he wants. And he told us to walk in forgiveness without the sacrifice of Jesus. Did Jesus have to die? Well, yeah. The answer, of course, is yes. Did he have to be murdered? That's debatable. I'm not a heretic. I have good theology of atonement. I have a master's in this. I believe in Jesus, the sacrifice. I believe it's because of the resurrection that we can come into fellowship with God. But the murder of Jesus speaks more of the simple state of man than it does the call of Jesus. The apostles preached the resurrection, not the murder. Man is sinful. 
man sinned against the perfect Son of God, Jesus. What did Jesus do with that murder? He could have gotten out of it, right? He could have. He said that on the cross. Hey, I could call a thousand angels. I'd call a legion of angels to come and set me free right now. But no, no, I didn't do that. I allowed myself to be murdered. But what happened? Paul recaps Jesus' words that we read in the Gospels. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that on the night Jesus, that on the, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Now bread is what? The body of Jesus, right? Bread is the body of Jesus. And the wine is the blood. Now, I don't know if you know this, but blood is supposed to stay inside the body. You're not supposed to be able to drink cups of blood, right? Amen? Give it a choice. I'd like my blood to stay inside the body. And so Jesus said, this is my body, the bread. This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood. In a cup, meaning I know it's about to get spilled. So this thing, this evil, evil thing was coming to him. And what did he do? And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. So this murderous plan against Jesus that the devil orchestrated, he thought he had something over on Jesus. We're going to break his body, we're going to kill him. And when we do, he's, that's it, that's, that's going to be it. But Jesus was even different, right? He's, he's different. He's that one, right? Jesus is that one. He's him. Jesus is him. And so the devil came. He's like, I, I got power over this whole thing. Are you going to murder me? You think this is going to destroy the church? You think this is going to end God's plans? I'm going to thank God because what you think is going to turn this thing upside down, it's going to bless the whole world. You think there's power in things? Oh, there's power. Oh, there's power. There's power. Some of you right now got some troubles in your life right now. We're going to receive the Lord's table here in a minute, but I want to give us a second just to kind of posture our hearts. Just to maybe turn some complaints into thanksgiving. God, I don't know how you're going to work this thing for my good, but I thank you that you're my God. I don't know how you're going to fix this thing, but I thank you that you're good. That you got a plan out of all of this. And I'm coming out on the other side. Resurrected. In resurrection power. That old blues song, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. There is a death that some of us are going through. But there is a resurrection on the third day. At one point, Jesus could walk on water, but he doesn't come back walking through walls. 
And there are things that are barriers in your life right now. There's walls that you can't get past that when you get that resurrection power at the end of this season, you'll be walking through walls. Barriers will have no effect on you. Obstacles will have no effect on you because you will have the power of thanks at work in your life. You will no longer be a victim complaining about what you're going through. You'll see that God is going to even use this terrible thing for my good. They betrayed me, but I know that God has got a better plan for me ahead of me. I wanted to go with these folks to this new thing, but they could not go where I am going. And Jesus, I thank you that you're positioning me with people who have a destiny similar to mine who can help me shepherd in the call of God on my life and the promise of my life. I thought those people would be for the whole journey, but apparently it was just a season. And I give you thanks, God, that I'm not tied back to those who are not called to be with me. And if, is anybody getting what I'm talking about right now? Right now. Come on, somebody. Thanksgiving will take your unemployment from a job into a business ownership. Thanksgiving will take your failed, broken, ugly relationship into a new, healthy relationship. Come on. Oh, I wish you could get this in your spirit. Just pray in the spirit for a moment. I pray that you would get this. I'm not, I'm not trying to appeal to emotionalism. I just want you to... Whatever you're going through, God is going to do something through it. And He's going to create a praise in your life. Tonight, we're going to break curses off of people. We're going to declare that the lies of the devil are going to be shut. We're going to lay hands and declare freedom over the oppression of the devil. And we're going to begin to give thanks to God for what He's going to do in our lives. We're going to anoint every person who wants it with oil and prophesy the goodness of God in our lives. We're going to see it. But right now, we're going to receive the Lord's table. Uh, my servants will come forward to prepare the elements. Thank you. 